0: Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let heaven and earth leap. Saints proclaim the power and might of his great name let us exalt on bend in.
1: morning. Welcome to Preston Crest. I hope all of y'all had a wonderful Thanksgiving day and uh, time with family and friends. We are honored that you're present here and we're thankful you're here to worship our God and Father today on a, such a beautiful day. This is an incredible church family who has a passion for God and compassion for people. If you are visiting with us, We're particularly glad that you're here, and we would hope that you'll give us a chance to meet you following services. As we do each week, we'd ask our members to text the word "check in" to 469-476-5331, and it lets us know who all has joined us, plus it'll provide you with a lot of information about what's going on in this church. And during December, there's going to be a lot of things going on, and that'll be discussed a little bit later and throughout the month. Next Sunday, December 5th, we'll be offering our PC 101, which is our quarterly class or workshop designed specifically for those who are interested in becoming members here at Preston Crest. It'll provide a little bit about our church history, um, meet some of our leadership, and gain an understanding of the vision and the mission we have here at Preston Crest. So if you're considering placing membership, please join us next Sunday over in the fellowship hall at 945 and learn a little bit more about Preston Crest. Also, next Sunday night is our annual Christmas uh, children's program, and it's called Super Christmas. So all of y'all, please return next, next Sunday, December 5th. It's going to have all ages of children from two and a half up to sixth grade. Now, as we enter this morning into our worship, let's reflect on these words from 1 Chronicles 29, 13. It says, now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Will you pray with me? Father, this morning we're so thankful. We are truly thankful for the tremendous blessings you give us, Father. Father, you are the creator, you are the provider, and the one true God over all things. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace, and we rejoice in knowing that you are our God and that you have provided us with the hope of salvation. Father, I want to thank you for this community of believers who worship here and serve at Preston Crest. We thank you for their commitment to following your teachings and the encouragement, support and love they show each other and in our community. Father, we trust and rely on you. This morning we ask you to heal those who are struggling with serious health issues, suffering from loss of jobs, those who are isolated, as well as those who are grieving from recent loss. May we lean heavily into you in trying times, Father, and turn our anxieties and fears into deeper faith. Now, Father, I pray that you will bless this worship as we respond, showing our deep gratitude for what you have done and what you will do in our lives. We thank you for Jesus, and it is His holy name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Stephen. Oh,
0: come, let us
2: adore. You. Oh, God
0: into our time of communion. We're going to sing one more song and then David Bean is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup.
3: During this time of Thanksgiving, this season of Thanksgiving, there's just so much to be grateful for. The greatest of these, though, is, is our salvation in Jesus Christ, our relationship that we have with him. It's why, we, it's why we come here this morning. It's why we're here where we're focused here this morning. And he asks us to remember, remember him, to take this bread and to drink this cup, to remember his body and his blood that was shed on the cross for us. And as we do this, it is always with, with some bit of mixed emotions uh, that I feel, and I know that you feel too as well. Uh, we have the, the greatest blessing is our salvation in Jesus Christ, our relationship with him, our access to him on a daily basis. But it's, we also have uh, the greatest sacrifice. We have God's one and only son who suffered on the cross for us, and he suffered a Roman crucifixion. A, a prolonged, prolonged death with a lot of pain, a lot of agony, a lot of blood was shed for us because he loved us. And so and so we remember him this morning. I want to read from John chapter 10 starting in verse 14. This verse stands out to me. It stood out to me the last couple of weeks. It's, uh, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life, so I I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to And also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. So let us pray now as we remember him and as we honor him and what he did for us. Jesus, we lift you up to the highest place this morning. You are superior. You are our great high priest. You are our king. You are our good shepherd. We kneel before you this morning and we just thank you. Thank you so much for... For sacrificing your life for us, for being the perfect sacrifice, for living on this earth, being tempted in every way, and being perfect, never giving in to temptation, never sinning. Father, we just we thank you so much for this salvation, and we just continue to lift you up. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, we come to you again, and we remember the blood that was shed for us. We think all the way back to Gethsemane and your anguish, how you sweat drops of blood. We think about how you were arrested, how you were falsely accused, how you were beaten, and how you died on the cross for our sins. How your hands, your head, and your feet were pierced, as you shed your perfect, precious, and pure blood for us to save us. We thank you so much, Jesus, for this salvation and this relationship and the sacrifice you gave for us in your name. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, there's a couple of ways that you can give this morning church. We have a box in the middle of the foyer for you to drop your offering in, or if you choose to go online and, and uh, click on that giving button that, uh, that is also another way to give. I'll tell you one of the, the great things that this church has done for many years and that is adopting families at Christmas time and we're in the middle of that right now and there's some instructions of how you can how you can connect with that and then you scroll down until you find a green select button and then you select that family and uh, yeah there's the there's the link right off of the uh, the church teams site there that'll take you right to the uh, adoption event and you know church it's more than just giving gifts and toys and socks and, and school uniforms. We're connecting with these families. And so I'm going to ask you, if you adopt a family, maybe write out a prayer and drop it in that bag. Maybe write out a scripture or or just a word of blessing to that family. And, and just let them know that we... We're, we're praying for them, and we're thinking of them. Yes, it is about gifts, and that's, that's, the, that's the great thing that this church has been doing for so many years. But I'll tell you what, receiving a word from, of blessing or, or, or knowing that somebody's praying for you, that is a huge gift in and of itself. So yes, please help us adopt our families. We, we, I've had, oh, I think 40, 47 families still to be adopted. So I do need the help with that. If you've got any questions about that, you can come see me. I'll be standing in the middle of the foyer uh, back there at the table. I've got black bags. I've got little name tag stickers for you. you can label those black bags when you bring those back. And those are due back on December 12th. But let's go to the Father in prayer. And thank him for how he has blessed us. Father, you are great and holy and mighty. And you indeed have blessed us. And thank you for this opportunity to in turn bless others. You are the God who gave and who gives. Thank you. Bless us now as we give and as we continue to give this week. Give us more opportunities to serve, Father. Give us more opportunities to to share you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray this morning. Amen. Let's stand, church. We're gonna sing one more song, and then Jacob's gonna come share with us this morning. You are my, my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I
2: seek. You are my.
4: Have you ever had one of those conversations with someone that just didn't make a lot of sense? I love the story about a man who was going to his doctor for his annual checkup. His name was Tom and he walked into the doctor's office and walked up to the receptionist's window. And he said, yes, ma'am, my name is Tom. I have an appointment with Dr. Davis at 2 o'clock. And the receptionist, she was just pretty harsh. In fact, she was downright rude. And she said, sir, walk down the hallway to the last door on the right, open the door, sit in the corner, take off your clothes, and wait for the doctor. Well, he was a little confused, so he tried again. He said, well, ma'am, I, uh, I'm just here for my checkup. I don't think all of that's necessary. She said, sir, walk down the hallway, last door on the right, open the door, sit in the corner, take off your clothes, wait for the doctor. So he thought he'd try one more time. He said, well, ma'am, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, I have a two o'clock appointment. I don't think you understand me. I'm just, I'm just checking in. She said, sir, you don't understand me. Down the hallway, last door on the right, open the door, sit in the corner, take off your clothes, wait for the doctor. So Tom made his way down the hallway to the last door on the right, and he opened the door, and there was a man sitting in the corner without any clothes on. And he said to that gentleman, he said, wow, he said, that's some receptionist out there, huh? And he said, you're telling me I'm just the UPS driver. Have <laughs> you ever had a conversation like that where you don't feel like you're getting through to the other person, or maybe they aren't understanding you, and it's just a weird conversation, If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, you know that we have been in this series over the Lord's Prayer, and we are coming down to the final line of that prayer, the final message in this series. And I've got to be honest with you, what Jesus asked his disciples to pray and what he tells us to pray, what he models for us to pray, is a line that, in my opinion, well, it doesn't always make a lot of sense, Because Jesus said, here's how you need to conclude this prayer with these words. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or your Bible may just say from evil. I thought about that this week and my first gut reaction was that seems a little bit unnecessary. Because if you remember, James, the brother of Jesus, clearly tells us that God's not going to tempt us. You remember that, James chapter 1, verse 13? James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So if God's not going to tempt us, why then does Jesus tell us that we should pray to God, lead us not into temptation? It seems a little unnecessary. But then I thought about the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And Matthew, in his account of the story, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, Matthew carefully reminds us that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it was not Satan's idea. It was a divine appointment. Matthew says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. To be tempted by the devil. In other words, God led his own son, Jesus, to be tempted. So if God led Jesus to be tempted, aren't we a little bit unworthy then to think that we should not pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. One way to look at it is this is unnecessary. One way to look at it is that makes us kind of unworthy. So what does this last line of the prayer mean? really mean? Well, I sat down with a pen, and this is certainly not inspired. This is just Jacob's paraphrase of what Jesus could be saying. But I think this is at the heart of what Jesus is telling us to pray. Lord, we do not desire temptation. Nobody does. And we obviously detest sin because sin separates us from God. But we also know that in this broken world, temptation will inevitably come. So God, when it does, keep us faithful. Keep us faithful. And protect us from the mighty arm of Satan. I'm confident that if that's what Jesus is wanting us to pray, that when Jesus hears his disciples pray that prayer, God and Jesus both answer by saying, well, sure, I can do that. And you should pray that prayer. But I think Jesus would also say, but while you're praying that prayer, you need to take the time to learn how I dealt with my temptation. You know, temptation is different for everyone. It comes in different forms at different times. And what you're tempted by, I may not be tempted by. And what tempts me may not bother you at all. There was a little boy and his mom, they were in a small general store out in West Texas one Saturday afternoon, and the mom was doing some shopping for the house, and she was looking at several different items, and the boy was following her along, and all of a sudden, he smelled these hot, fresh chocolate chip cookies that the owner of the store had put right out at the front, right by the cash register, and so he snuck off, as all little boys do. And he walked up to those hot chocolate chip cookies and he stood on his tippy toes and looked over the corner and took a good smell and reached out to grab one, pulled his hand back, reached out to grab one, pulled his hand back, and the owner of the store was watching him. And so the owner of the store walked over to the cookies and said, young man, what are you doing? He said, nothing, sir. The owner said, well, it looks to me like you're trying to take one of my chocolate chip cookies. And the little boy said, no, sir. I'm trying not to take one of your chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) I think it's important for us to know that we're not all tempted the same way. And it was that way for Jesus. But we can learn so much from how Jesus handled his temptation that I think helps us understand why Jesus tells us to pray this prayer to begin with. You probably know that the story of Jesus' temptation is recorded three different times in the New Testament, once in the gospel according to Matthew, once in the gospel according to Mark, and the third time is in the gospel according to Luke. I really like Luke's account because Luke gives us the most details. And so if you want to open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 4, we're going to talk about this very familiar story for just a few moments. And you already know this story before we dive deep into the text, there are three big temptations that Satan uses with Jesus. The first one is what I'm calling this morning the do-it-yourself temptation. Luke tells us that Jesus and Satan, they were perusing through the south and the east side of Jerusalem, out in the wilderness where John the Baptist had been preaching for all of these years, and Jesus is hungry, and He is tired, and He has not eaten anything in 40 days. Can you imagine going 40 days without any food? I get hungry after 40 minutes, let alone 40 days. And Satan knows Jesus is hungry, and Jesus knows he's not going to get a meal anytime soon. And so Satan says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, your Bible probably reads, if you're the son of God. In Greek, what it really says is, since you're the son of God. This is not a conditional statement. This is an affirmative statement. Satan knows Jesus has the power to fix this. Satan knows that Jesus can turn that stone into something that he can eat. And so Satan tells Jesus, just do it yourself. Look, no one else is out here. No one's going to cook you anything. And you're hungry and you're grumpy and you're tired. So just fix the problem. Tell this stone to become bread. Whatever bread you want. Sourdough, pumpernickel, wheat, rye. You pick. Just cook yourself something to eat. And you know what Jesus says. Man does not live by bread Alone. In other words, Satan, you're talking about a physical problem. I'm having a spiritual conversation, and physical solutions will never cure a spiritual problem. So Satan moves on to the second temptation. Temptation number one doesn't work, so he tries temptation number two behind. Door number two is what we call the take the easy route temptation. Luke tells us that Satan leads Jesus to a high place. And we don't know if that's in spirit or in the flesh. But he shows Jesus all of the kingdoms of the world. And he says, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give you their authority. I'm going to give you their splendor. For it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Now that's interesting. How did Satan have the authority to give to Jesus the kingdoms of the world? Satan's powerful, but Satan can't make you do anything. In church, Satan can never give you anything that's worth having. Do you remember when Jesus once called Satan the father of all lies? Here you go. Exhibit A. Satan is lying through his proverbial teeth. He can't do this. He can't deliver on this. But Satan's trying to make it so easy for Jesus. He even says, all you have to do. You see all of that? You see all that, that wonderful kingdom? All you have to do is just bow down. No one's out here. No one's watching. It's just you and me. Just go ahead, bow down, declare me supreme, and it's yours. You see, what Satan is doing is he's offering Jesus the kingdom without the cross. He is offering Jesus the crown without the chaos. He's saying, you can have it all without any sweat or without any tears or without any blood or nails or whips. You can have it all right here on the silver platter. All you have to do is just bow down. And you know what Satan says. He says, no. When Jesus replies... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan has one more trick up his sleeve behind door number three. He's swung twice and he's missed badly. And before he strikes out and heads back to that dugout, he chokes up on the bat. And he swings real hard with the test God temptation He leads Jesus to the top of the temple some 450 feet off the ground and he simply says to him jump Go ahead jump I'll even I'll even give you the push just fall over the ledge God's not going to let anything happen to you God has commanded his angels to lift you up with his own hands so just Jump and see what happens. And this time, if you notice, Satan does what Jesus has done during the other two temptations. Satan quotes scripture to make it more convincing. In fact, he quotes directly out of the Old Testament and he quotes it perfectly. The only problem was he applied it imperfectly. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but there are a lot of people in the religious world, a lot of churches in the religious world who can quote you all kinds of scripture, but the problem is is they don't apply it correctly. This was not a passage about protecting Jesus from using poor judgment. This was a passage in the Old Testament, a prophecy, saying that God would not allow his son to experience a premature death before his job on earth was completed. And, and Jesus knows what Satan's trying to do. And so Jesus says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Three temptations here do it yourself, take the easy route, and test God. And you know, if we're honest with ourselves, every single week, and maybe even every single day, we all face these same three temptations. It's really easy for us to think and to believe and to convince ourselves that we can do everything by ourselves in life. And we can blame it on several things. You can blame it on the Home Depot if you want to, the do-it-yourself warehouse. You can say it's their fault. You can blame it on the American dream if you want to. The American dream that says, you know, you can be whoever you want to be and make as much as you can possibly make and do whatever you want to do and build this huge empire and leave whatever legacy you want to leave. It's all in your hands. And a lot of people do take it out on the American dream. But when you blame it on the American dream, it's a cop-out. Because this problem, this thinking that you can do it all yourself, it goes all the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God had placed Adam and Eve in this beautiful, perfect, earthly paradise. They could have anything they wanted. God said there's only one thing you cannot do. You cannot eat from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And so it wasn't long before Satan slithered into their life and pulled them near and said, why don't you go eat from that tree? At first they were strong. We can't do it. God, God told us we couldn't. He did. Yes, he did. Do you know why? No. As we read the story, we can picture Satan getting closer and, come here. Lean in real close. I'm going to to give you a secret. God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows that as soon as you do, you will be as smart as he is. Well, who wouldn't want that opportunity? Who wouldn't want to be as smart as God? Who wouldn't want to have his power? Who wouldn't want to have the ability to do everything yourself? And so Adam and Eve, in their own selfishness and pride and craving for power, they bit into that juicy forbidden fruit, hoping that they could do all things. And today, nothing has changed. That craving, that longing, that obsession for power and control is driven by this same temptation that you can do it all yourself. People so often say, I don't need the church in my life. I don't need a small group. I don't need a Bible class. I don't need counseling. I don't need therapy. I don't need an accountability group. I've got it under control. But you know what? The Bible subscribes to a very different narrative, and it's God's narrative. And the Bible says that we are all broken vessels, we are all jars of clay, and any strength that we might have and any wisdom that we could offer comes not from us but from the wisdom and from the goodness and from the faithfulness of God. If we don't give in to that one, maybe we give in to temptation number two, the take the easy route temptation. We really enjoy being comfortable Christians. Not having to put out too much effort or have too much skin in the game, we like to call ourselves Christians and wear the name tag and use that name when it profits us. But if it costs us too much, we so quickly walk away from our commitment. I had lunch with a good friend of mine a few months ago, and he had been involved in a church plan earlier in his ministry career. And He was talking about the difficulties and challenges of starting a church plant. They started in a house. They moved to a school and they met in the cafeteria. If you've ever been part of something like that, you got to put it up and take it down. Put it up and take it down. It's a lot of work. And he said, people would always tell us, we love what's going on here. We think this is great. And when you build a building, we'll stay. But until you get the building, this just isn't for us. And he said, I learned that eventually I had to start telling people, listen, I'm not trying to be rude, but don't bother. Because if you're not happy right now in this church, in its beginning when everything's fresh and exciting, and we have all these big dreams, you're not happy because we don't have a building, you're not going to be happy when we get a building. So don't bother. Go find someplace else. I know many of us, if not all of us, realized this morning that we have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who put their life on the line every week to be able to worship as we have done this morning. Knowing if they got caught, it could cost them everything. But here in America... If it's a little bit too cold or a little bit rainy or if it interferes with football or some other activity, we so quickly say, see you again next week. This week's not good for us. And when we live that way, we totally miss the message of the gospel. And we could not be further from the heart of God. Because the Bible uses words like sacrifice and commitment and submission and even death But maybe it's that third temptation that you struggle with the most I know I do it's the test God temptation (laughs) because we think in our great wisdom we can actually negotiate with God almighty we can bargain with him We can say, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you bless me in this way, I'll bless these people. But it's a two way street. Or sometimes what we do, if you've ever done this, I know I have, we decide what we're going to do and we make our plans and then we pray to God, asking Him if that's His will after we've already made the plans. Have you ever done that? I love the story about a preacher and his wife. They were sitting in their living room one Saturday afternoon watching college football, and he gets a phone call from an elder at a church a couple counties away, and he knows who it is, so he steps away to his office, takes the phone call. They're on the phone for about 45 minutes. He comes back out into the living room. His wife is still sitting there in the rocking chair watching football. She said, Honey, who is that? He said, Well, it was an elder from that church a couple counties over, you know, much bigger church, a lot more people. She said, what do you want? Well, he wanted us to think about coming to work with them and be their new preacher. And it's going to be a lot more money and a lot more people, better opportunity. And she said, well, what do you think? He said, here's what I think. I think I'm going to sit in here in this living room and pray about this for an hour And I want you to go up in the attic and get our suitcases and start packing our things. (laughs) Well, thanks for giving it a once over. You know, have you ever known anyone who was called to live on less? Or someone who said, God's calling me to a smaller paycheck or less benefits? No, it's always God's will for us to go to the place where there's more money. Or more opportunity, or what's better for our family. And I'm not saying that's wrong. You gotta take care of your family and you gotta think about your career. What I am saying is wrong is to disguise it as God's will just because it's something you wanna do. And Jesus says you cannot test God. You cannot make a decision without thinking it through just because you think God's always going to lift you up with the hands of his angels. That is a lie directly from Satan. God will let us crash and burn from the bad choices we make that are selfish and are not at all concerned with what he wants for our life. And maybe the worst situation is when someone is so distraught And they're so discouraged. And they're thinking about giving up altogether. And they say, I'm going to do this even though I know it's wrong. Just to see what happens. Just to see if God really does care about me and my life. You show me someone who says that and I'll show you someone who is losing the battle of temptation. And with all three of these temptations, the do-it-yourself, the take-the-easy-route, the test God, they all end with the same outcome. Look how Luke finishes this episode of how he records the story. Luke chapter 4 verse 13. Luke tells us, go ahead and put up the next slide please, that when the devil had finished all of this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Satan will always come back for more. Satan is never done. You may win today, but tomorrow he's going to be back. And we see it in a powerful way in Matthew chapter 16. Luke chapter 4 is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 16 is beginning the final lap. And they're at Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus tells his apostles, we're about to go to Jerusalem. And when we get there, they're going to kill me. They're going to torture me. And Peter speaks up. And Peter says, Lord, this will never happen to you. And you remember what Jesus says to Peter. He says, get behind me Satan, for what you are saying is not the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus was not calling Peter Satan. What Jesus was doing was saying, Satan is speaking through you in this moment. He has come back for an opportune time. I don't want to hear this because I don't want to go to the cross. And Satan is trying to tell me, don't do it. Don't do it. But this is the path that God has set out for my life. And if it happened to Jesus, the Son of God, you know what's going to happen to us. In fact, the famous female prime minister from England, Margaret Thatcher, once said, to win a battle, you have to fight it more than once. It is a battle Every single day. And we have to fight it. Battle after battle after battle. Because if we don't, church, we will lose the war. One of my favorite movies of all time was the movie A League of Their Own. Which was filmed in the 1990s. Tom Hanks was one of the main characters with a few other prominent actors of the day. It's not a true story, but it tells of a true time in American history during World War II when the men went off to fight and many of the women not only worked in the factories, but many of them played Major League Baseball to keep baseball alive here at home. In the movie, Tom Hanks is the coach of the Rockford Peaches, who is the best team in the league, and their star player is Dottie Henson, the catcher. Who just happens to be the best player in the league. They get down to the final championship game just a few days before it. And Dottie Henson, the catcher, decides to leave. And Tom Hanks catches up with her. And he asks her, Dottie, why are you quitting? And Dottie says to Tom Hanks, the coach, it just got too Hard. Riding through the middle of the night on the bus, playing in that terrible heat, being away from my family, it just got too hard. And Tom Hanks looks at Dottie Henson and makes probably the most famous statement in all of the movie. And Tom Hanks says, Of course it's hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. But the hard is what makes it great. And I can't think of any better words for the Christian life. Of course it's hard. Of course it is. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. But the hard is what makes it great. <laughs> and we don't want to be tempted. We know temptation will come. Paul tells us through his word 1 Corinthians 10, God loves us so much he always provides a way out. But it's going to be hard. And the hard is what makes it great. And so we pray together, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this morning, if you need to be delivered from evil, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, you can be buried in his blood in the waters of baptism. Have every sin removed from your life. If you need prayers during a difficult season for you or your family, we want to help you in any way. And we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing. The father
2: of every blessing to my heart. dreams of
1: We're so thankful that you've joined us this morning to worship our Father, and we're so great to see a lot of familiar faces visiting family. We're also very happy to see that Debbie Roussos is here from Athens, Greece, uh, visiting her family, one of our missionaries for let's just say many years. So we're so thankful to see Debbie this morning. So if, and we pray that you'll have safe travels, all those who are going back home, especially college students, since I have three heading back to Abilene today. So we'll just pray for safety of that. So let's end uh, t- uh, this morning with a verse from Second Peter uh, three eighteen. And if you will read it with me, we'll be dismissed. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Have a great day.